Uh, I would invite everybody to open up to the book of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 6. Now as we get to study God's Word together to hear literally the voice of God and what His mandate is for us as His people in Ephesians, actually starting at chapter 6, bringing you up to speed. We've been going through the book of Ephesians. We finished chapter 5. This is an unbelievable thing. We're getting to chapter 6, the last chapter of Ephesians. Finally, it's been exciting. The study that we're in the middle of is what God expects of Christian family living and all of their roles and mandates as required by God. First was the wife. Her main obligation is to submit to her husband. Then he talked about the husband. His main obligation is to love his wife as Christ loved the church. We spent three weeks talking about that, and now we're moving on to the role of children. And then also next week and the next couple of weeks, we'll be talking about the responsibility of parents and what their role is towards children. So let's go to chapter 6, starting at verse 1. We'll read uh, 1, 2, and 3, because that's what I want to cover today. Keep in mind, though, that chapter 6, verse 1, 2, and 3 goes along with verse 4. We're not looking at verse 4 until next week, but it goes together. It's a working relationship between children and their parents. So some questions are going to be raised today that I'm not going to answer. They're just going to be natural. You're going to say, yeah, but what if? Yeah, but what about? Well, maybe that will be answered next week or in the next couple of weeks as we talk about the role of parenting. Because this is a unit and it needs to go together. But follow along in Ephesians chapter 6, what God says to children. By the way, before I start, if you're a children, can you raise your hand nice and high like you're proud of it today? If you think this applies, this particular, you've got to keep it up. I've got to do a quick survey here. If you're a child and you think this verse or this passage might apply specifically to you, because he's talking about categories of people. Wives, okay, you've got to be married and have a husband. Uh, husbands, and now children, keep it up. I'm doing a quick survey. Hmm. Keep your hand up if you're a child, if you're, if you're a children, and this passage applies directly to you. Okay, now that's very interesting. Can you put your hands down? Because we're going to talk about who it really applies to. Some of you may have not been correct. Some of you were. Let's check it out. Look at Ephesians chapter 6, 1 through 3. Paul goes on, led by the Holy Spirit, and he says, Children, so this is a class or a category of people who are children. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with the promise in order that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. Wow, that's it. Short, sweet, powerful. I can't even do justice to it, though, in one sermon. Um, there is so much there, so many implications. It raises so many questions. But let's go ahead and look at it. Uh, if you can look at your handout there that I've provided. And by the way, during the series, I, there are some books out on the book table uh, that deal with parenting that you might be interested in. There are books that, that I would recommend that might help us, which leads me to the point here that Paul is talking to the Ephesian Christians and he's teaching them about what the obligations are in the family and the understanding or implication from this is that Paul believed that it was not common sense or it didn't come naturally to be a godly wife, to be a godly husband, to be a godly child, and to be godly parents. It doesn't come naturally. It is not common sense. This is, comes by supernatural revelation from God, and it's supernaturally energized by Him through the indwelling Holy Spirit. That's why it's in Scripture. That's why it's important to look at it. This is what God requires. And I'm just telling you, the basic principles here in the passage fly in the face of what we're told in the culture about how to parent our children or how to live family lives. We're, we're swimming upstream here. This is politically incorrect, most of what we're looking at. And that's why it stirs up and generates so many questions 
by people. But this, of all that God could have said about how to raise your children in the right way, He simplifies it. Distill down to just one command. Children, obey. And by the way, this is a unique passage because in this passage, uh, Paul, or God, he's not talking to adults here. I think this is the only verse in the entire New Testament where God is directly addressing children. It's like he's pointing his finger. It's a command. It's an imperative. And God is saying, children, this is for you. Those of you that just raised your hand, this is for you. You got to eavesdrop and listen in on what God had to say about your mommy and your daddy. And now it's you. So let's tune in. So I would encourage all the children that are here to follow along, take notes, fill in the details, write down questions. And learn from this to see what God expects of you if you're a child. So I came up with two main things that this passage addresses. The two main principles are number one, Roman numeral number one, and that is that children are commanded by God to obey. It's that simple. The next time you ask the question, why as a child, why do I have to do what my mommy and daddy tell me to do? The answer is because God has commanded you to obey your parents. That's why. It is right, says the verse. Then the second main point we want to look at. There are blessings for you, kids, if you obey your parents. That is good news. That is exciting. That leads to a fulfilled life. And blessings for you, we're going to look at those. So let's look at the first main point. Children are commanded by God to obey. Then i got several corollary truths related to that. The first one is children who are commanded by God to obey. Letter A, it is your main priority in life. Your main. If you're a child right now living under the headship, authority, and in the home of your parents, your main priority in life from God's perspective is that you obey your parents. That's, that's all there is to it. It comes before everything else. That's what God expects of you as a created being made in His image. And if you're a Christian and you know Jesus Christ personally, this is your main responsibility in life. It is that simple. So if somebody were to ask you, what does God expect of you and you're a child, your answer should be, well, priority number one is He wants me to obey my parents. It's your main priority. Colossians 3.20 is a parallel passage. Going through the family says the same thing. Children, obey your parents. Paul adds there, in everything. That means in every area of life. Every facet of life. Comprehensively, it's a lifestyle. It's your main priority. Like I said, it's the only verse in the New Testament specifically addressed to children. This is the children's verse. This is for you. You should memorize this verse if you're a child. Because it's what God wants of you. It's your main priority. Very important. comes before all else. Next point, letter B, regarding this command, it refers to dependent children of all ages. Well, that's the first, one of the first natural questions. Is, okay, it says children are commanded to obey their parents in everything at all times. So what constitutes a child? I can't tell you how many Christians I have met over the years at different churches who think that once their child reach, reaches 13 or 16 or 18 and they're still living in the home that they don't have to obey anymore. Then now all of a sudden they're an adult. And they're freed up, exonerated, and exempt from obeying their parents. That's not true. That's not what this verse says. The word used here for children refers to dependent children of all ages. This, we're not talking about just little two-year-old tykes. This is across the gamut, a very specific word that is used. There are many Greek words used in the New Testament to refer to children, or at least translated that way, or offspring. So I wrote some of them down for you. And this word is technon. This Greek word for child implies a dependent relationship upon the parent. And it's not based on your age. It's based upon your dependence upon your parents for those who are not yet married and haven't done what Genesis 2.24 said, where you leave mommy and daddy and cleave to your spouse. 
If there is any form of dependence whatsoever upon your parents before you get married, this word refers to you. Dependence upon the parent in a relationship. Children old enough also to understand and exercise their free will because this is a command for them. The assumption by the Apostle Paul is that they have the cognitive ability to understand this command, to obey it, to follow through and understand what the consequences are and what the accountability is before God. That's what this word means, especially in this context. It is not the word huias, another very common word for offspring, child, son. And I'll give you examples there of where it's used. Many times it's used of a male offspring. That's not the word here. It's not the word pideon, another common word translated as child, because that usually refers to a newborn child, as in Luke 2.17. It's not the word for child brephos or offspring, because that... Uh, usually refers to unborn children or newborn babies. So the word technon is broader than that. So this word technon, very specific, it is an inclusive term and the emphasis being not on your age, but upon your dependence upon your parents. Are you li- Starting with, are you living in their home? That's what Genesis 2.24 says. You know what? You can go graduate from high school, go put in four years of college, two more years of college, come back, move in with mommy and daddy, eat the food out of their refrigerator. You are dependent upon your parents. This verse applies to you. That's the emphasis. This is not just for little kids, little elementary kids or little infants. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 21. This is an amazing passage. This is a rated PG 13 passage, somewhat of a frightening passage. This is a scandalous passage. This is very politically incorrect, especially when not properly understood. But this is Deuteronomy 21 in the days of Moses as he was giving the law of God to the people of God, two million Jews in the desert. God created them now to be a nation before him called the theocracy of Israel. They were to live not by a the constitution like we know, but their constitution was the very laws of God that Moses wrote down. And here's one of those laws that the theocracy of the people of Israel, the nation of Israel, had to live and abide by and it dealt with how they parented and their children. Let's look at it. Deuteronomy 21, 18 and following. Reading from the New American Standard, verse 18. If any man, talking about a dad here specifically, or parent, If any dad has a stubborn and rebellious son, could be a daughter as well. A rebellious and stubborn child. Get this. Who will not obey his father or his mother. He's not obedient. When they tell him what to do. And when they chastise that child, according to the book of Proverbs, the word chastise means spank on the backside. Corporal punishment. And even when they chastise that child, and that child will continue not to listen to the parents, then the father and the mother shall seize him. That is a word meaning to arrest him. Wow. Told you it was scandalous. You know, today in America, you can sue your parents if you're 11 years old. Yeah. You can sue. You can take your parents to court and sue them and have them seized and thrown in jail. In the Old Testament... According to God's law, the parents could seize and arrest the child. So we've turned God's law on its ear. I told you it was foreign. Verse 19, Then his father and mother will seize him, arrest him, bring him out to the elders of the city. These were the legal overseers of the community of Israel. These were like the policemen and the judges who ran the nation. 
arrested their own child, brought him to the elders of the city at the gateway. That's like where the courtroom was of his hometown, the local precinct. Verse 20, And they shall say to the elders of this city, This son of ours is stubborn and rebellious. He will not obey us. He is a glutton and a drunkard. Now, one thing I want to point out in verse 20, notice this is not an elementary kid who is uh, in third grade. He's a glutton and a drunkard. He is a, an established, long-term pattern of living that manifests itself in being an alcoholic. That is only true of older offspring. This could be the guy who went off to college, came back, got his master's degree, and he's living with mommy and daddy and still not obedient. And he's a drunkard and an alcoholic, and he won't listen to his parents, and he lives in their home, he's eating their food, he's dependent upon their money, he's not living out on his own, he is responsible to the parents, he is not responding, so they have arrested him. Verse 21, Then all the men of his city shall stone that child to death, and you shall remove the evil from your midst, and all Israel shall hear of it, and they will fear. See, they were fearing as well. Is it the severe consequence of this? This is amazing. Totally unbelievable in light of our culture and how we think, isn't it? So let's go back uh, to Ephesians 6. But my point there is this word is referring to not your age. You could be older. Like I said, teenager, college, single, still living and dependent upon your parents in some way, some form of dependence, then you're under their authority and you need to obey. That's what it says. Okay, move on to letter C regarding the great command to children to obey their parents. Children are to obey with the right actions. And that, would, that answers the question, well, how are children to obey? Well, two main things, the right actions and the right attitudes. Well, So we'll do C and D together because they go together. Children are to obey with the right actions. And then D is children are to obey with the right attitude. External behavior, inward attitude. They have to go together. If you've got external obedience only with a defiant attitude, that is rebellion. That, is not, that does not please God. So they have to go together. Actions and attitude. We get that from just the very word of obey here that Paul uses in Ephesians chapter 6. The word obey. Hupakuo, it's just a compound word. Put it there for you. Akuo, that's familiar to us. Acoustics. Music, acoustic. To listen, to hear. Has to do with sound. Hoop, under. To listen under. To put yourself under the authority of somebody and listen to them and do what they say. Comply with their commands. That's what it means. Obey, very simply. The Greek word for obey here in this verse means to listen under, literally, or it's translated or used as to obey, to follow, to do what one is told, or even in a military context, to carry out orders. That's what obey means. Children, that's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to obey with the right actions. You're supposed to do what your parents tell you to do. Buford, take out the trash. You take out the trash. You simply obey. That's your obligation as a child. And you do it with what I call first-time obedience. How many times should a parent have to tell a child to do something before they do it? One time, it's called first-time obedience. Before we had children, we had mentors at our previous church, wonderful, godly parents. We knew they were wonderful, godly parents because they had awesome children. Amazing, awesome children who were raising godly grandchildren. And Debbie and I, we put ourselves under those people. We want to learn from these people. And this is one of the things that we learn. As parents, you need to establish the rules. You need to assert your authority. As God has ordained, children need to obey, and they do it with first-time obedience. Because if you ask your children to do something, and they don't do it the first time, then what are they doing? They're arguing. They are complaining. 
They are justifying or, oh, what about her? Or what about him? Right? If you've got siblings, oh, I did it last time. It's their turn. No, you obey because God said so. It is right. First time obedience. That's what God expects. That's what the word obey means. It means do it. And also I said it's used in a military context in the army. When the colonel gives an order or the sergeant gives an order, does the underling who's in the army have the option to argue with his superior in the army? Well, no, sir. Oh, I'll get around to it, sir. But, sir, my, my bunkie, he, it's his turn. He'd be thrown out. It's first-time obedience. That's what we're looking for. So no complaining when your parents tell you what to do, when to do something. You do it. You don't complain. You don't argue. Also, you do it with complete obedience. It's not partial obedience. It's complete obedience, doing everything they told you to do, not taking a shortcut or the least path of resistance, doing everything as unto the Lord with excellence in all things. That's what we're supposed to be training our children to do. First-time obedience, completely, comprehensively, and not delayed obedience. Because children can get into the pattern of doing that. Okay, mommy, just a minute. And then it turns into, what, 30 minutes. Okay, I'll get to that in a minute. No, that's not good enough. It's first-time obedience. And just from experience, here's one thing that was helpful that somebody, a technique that somebody taught me to instill and ingrain this idea of first-time obedience is when you do give a very specific command and it needs to be clear to your children, uh, Buford, go take out the trash. You should try to get a verbal response from your children. Yes, mommy. Yes, daddy. Because right away you validate that there's an understanding there. There's no excuses later. Yes, mommy. Yes, daddy. Or when you call them from across the house, Buford. You don't want responses like, huh? What? Yeah. It's, yes, mommy. On my way. Yes, daddy. So we try to, or we should try to, get a verbal affirmation on every command that is given. And you're establishing a pattern of behavior. This is, I've coached sports for years. This is what I require of my players as I'm on the sideline in the midst of a game and competition and I'm calling out a play to one of my players or to the point guard and I want his attention. Fredo! I want him to... The rule is he has to look at me. Eye contact when I give him the rule. Play number four. Then he has to give some form of recognition. He understood me. Yes, coach, or one of these. Okay, so there's clear communication, clear understanding so they know what to do. They know how to obey. So we're looking for first-time obedience, doing it with the right actions and follow-through, which leads us to point D. Not only do we do it with the right actions, we are obeying with the right attitude. This is just as important as the right actions. And here's some key verses. God is looking for the right attitude in terms of your behavior. First of all, in part of Ephesians 6, 1 through 3, Paul quotes from the Old Testament to validate this truth that children are to obey their parents in the Lord. And he validates that by quoting from the Ten Commandments. Exodus chapter 20. And he quotes from Exodus chapter 20 and he puts that verse in there. And he says, Honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with a promise. And he uses two words together. Obey and honor. Obey, the emphasis is on outward actions, the externals. Honor has to do with the heart and the attitude. On the inside, what God is looking at. And really only what God can see sometimes. The inner attitude with respect to your parents and your obedience. So you want right actions with the right attitude. Honor, respect your parents when they ask you to do something and obey. Another verse, Leviticus 19.3. Every one of you shall reverence. There's that inner attitude of respect towards your parents. Every one of you shall reverence his mother and his father. That's an attitude of respect. Because they're your parents. God said it was right. Proverbs 3.1. My son, keep my commands externally in your heart. That's the attitude. Obedience flows from a godly heart, a godly, submissive, reverent attitude towards your parents. 
Not with whining and complaining behind their back. Not with whining and complaining, undermining, gossiping about your parents when they're not around at school. That's common. I used to be a school teacher for years of junior hires and high schoolers, teenagers. I know how teenagers talk. And it's amazing how many teenagers have absolutely no respect for their parents and rip and shred their parents to pieces behind their parents' back. It's sad. It is incredibly sad. And for the years that I was a teacher, I could almost, just from the survey of the kids and the children that I'm working with, I can pretty much tell who has a good home and a stable home and who has good parents and who, who doesn't, just by virtue of the behavior and the attitudes that are issuing from the children. They're reflecting patterns of behavior that have been going on in the home for years. And the main thing that I was looking for was attitude. The attitude of the heart and how it is expressed. 1 Samuel 16, 7, when Samuel, uh, God actually chose David to be king instead of all of his six-plus older brothers because they were all bigger, taller, stronger, and more macho. And David was just a young little guy. And God chose the young little guy. And uh, people around said, oh, that can't be. He's a, he's a little wimpy guy. God can't be choosing him. And then God's response to that through th- Samuel was, uh, you need to remember that man, human beings who are superficial and shallow and external, we look at the outward appearance, which is often illegitimate if we do that only. But rather, the Lord looks at the heart. He knows the hearts of people. And God is looking down from heaven on the hearts of children when they are required or when they're asked to obey their parents. Are they doing the right actions, but also are they doing it with the right attitudes towards their parents? Very important to God. First Samuel 15, 22, God said this, it is... Uh, to obey is better than sacrifice. To obey is better than sacrifice. And again, what Paul was getting at was when he was talking to King Saul about Saul, just going through the motions isn't important in and of itself. It's doing it the right way, with the right attitude, with the right reverence towards God and what he requires. That's what God is looking at primarily first from the heart. Obedience issuing from the heart and an attitude, not just going externally through the deed. That's what the Pharisees did. They perfected the externals and the deeds and they had the wrong heart. And Jesus condemned the Pharisees, not because of their external actions, but because of their lack of the right attitude of reverence towards God. Condemned them literally to hell because of the wrong heart. So God puts a premium on our heart attitude towards our parents. Uh, and then Matthew 15, 8, Jesus said this specifically regarding some of the disobedient people that he was ministering to, quoting from the Old Testament. He said, this people who are in my midst, who say they believe in me and say they believe in Yahweh, but they really don't, God said. He indicted them because he said, this people, they honor me with their lips, with the externals, sounds nice, looks kind of nice, but one of the most important elements is missing, and that is the attitude of the heart. Their heart is far away from me. God condemns that. So children, very important. Obey your parents with the right actions today and the right attitudes. Okay, let's go on. Letter E, children to obey, very important. Both parents equally. Obey your parents. Your father and mother, Ephesians 6, 1 and 2 says. Parents together. They have to obey both parents. Number one reason is because your parents, mom and dad together, They are one. That's what God said if they're married and they're together. They are one unit. They're not separate entities. No, I've figured out over the years. I've been a parent for 15 years. I was a children's pastor for years. I was an elementary school teacher for years. I finally figured out children and one of their uh, most used weapons 
to divide and conquer. And that is by pitting mommy against daddy or pitting daddy against mommy when they want to get their way sometimes. They do it in secret. It makes sure mom's on one side of the house and dad is downstairs oblivious, not paying attention, and they play mom and dad off of each other. Because if they ask dad for some, or mom for something and mom says no, then they go down. Dad, oh, he'll say, yeah, uh, he's real tired. He doesn't want to deal with this anyway. So if I ask dad and he says, yeah, then I can go back to mom and say, hey, mom, dad said, yeah, and he's the leader of the home, so you have to let me do this. <laughs> I've seen this strategy time and time again. I have, I've figured out the strategy. I have stopped this strategy in my house. <laughs> anyway, God says, no, you can't, you can't pit mom against dad. The parents, they have to have a united front. And, and a lot of times... This will be because one parent is a little weaker than the other, or maybe one parent is a stronger disciplinarian than the other. And by the way, the dad isn't always the stronger disciplinarian in the home. I've seen plenty of marriages where the wife is the stronger disciplinarian by nature, and the dad is the sissy. So it goes both ways, but you know, if there's a weakness and you're not consistent and you don't have a united front as parents, children, they're going to pick up on that. The children will pick up on that, and they will manipulate that, and they will try to divide you. And that is not biblical, and you need to be aware of that, discerning, watching your children and make sure you have a united front as parents and you have a philosophy of how you're going to discipline your children together, husband and wife that you agree on. It's harmonious and it's biblical and it's consistent and you follow through on it and you encourage one another. Because disciplining your children and saying, no, it is not always fun. Sometimes it's emotionally hard to do that, isn't it? I know it is for for us as parents. That's why you have to be united and have a very specific philosophy as husband and wife together. You are a team and your children are not going to manipulate and undermine you as a team to get their way. That's what God requires. Children are to obey both parents equally. And even in this day and age, what about if the parents are divorced? still applies. It's their biological parents. And they might be living in separate houses. To the best of their ability, the children need to be taught you need to obey mommy and you need to be obeying daddy. And this is difficult because many times if you have a divorced home, you could have a Christian mom unsaved dad or a Christian dad and unsaved mom, and then all of a sudden the child is expected to obey two totally different worldviews on a regular basis. Very challenging for the child. So the Christian parent needs to take the lead in terms of instructing, praying for, encouraging that child, and even encouraging the child to obey their unsaved mommy or daddy because even though they're unsaved, God still requires them to obey their parent. Very important. So we need to... Children, obey your parents equally. Letter F, children are to obey their parents on a regular basis. And this is just simply from the tense that Paul uses in the verb. Greek, a very specific language. The tense matters. And in this case, obey is present tense. And that meant to the Greeks and Paul, who wrote in Greek, that this meant a regular, ongoing pattern of behavior. A lifestyle is what he's talking about. Consistency. Literally, children, obey and keep on obeying your parents. As a routine and a regular pattern of life. Do it all the time. That should characterize you. People should look at you and say, oh, that, now that, her, she is an obedient child. She's amazing. Him, he is an obedient child. He has respect for his parents on a regular, ongoing basis. So it's regular and ongoing. That's what the present tense means. Let's go on to the main point number two, Roman numeral number two, and that is, children, if you do all these things, obeying, first-time obedience, doing it completely, doing it with the right actions, doing it with the right attitude, doing it on a regular basis. There is good news for you, child, and that is God is going to rain down blessing on your life because He promised to. That's what the verse says. If you obey your parents, as he quotes from the Old Testament, and then in verse 2 of Ephesians 6, in parentheses, he says, by the way, this one of ten commandments, this was the first of the commandments that God gave that had a promise that went with it. 
A specific promise of blessing if you fulfilled it and obeyed it. Very practical promise. So there are blessings if you obey your parents. I came up with one, two, three, four, five to think about. First one, letter A. Obeying your parents is an act of worship. Did you know that? You don't just worship God on Sunday for an hour and a half at church. If you claim to be a Christian, you claim to know God, and you claim to be in Jesus, then you have an opportunity to worship God and Jesus every day of your life, every moment of your life, no matter where you are. And anytime you have an opportunity to interact with your parents and obey them, you are actually having an opportunity to worship God because that's what God expects of you. He expects you to obey Him by obeying your parents. And when you do that, it pleases Him and it is an expression of worshiping the God who created you. Colossians 3.20 in that parallel passage, listen, it says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. It pleases God when you obey your parents. That is an act of worship. That's amazing that you can do something to please the creator of the universe. That is exciting. You can please God. Give Him joy. Romans 12.1. This is for all Christians, including children if they are Christians or claim to be. Present your body. That's your physical body. The things you do, the things you say with your physical body. The things you say, how you use your mouth. Especially in the context of the home where you spend most of your time with your family and your parents. Present your body as a living sacrifice or a holy sacrifice, acceptable or pleasing to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. Consider your body a living sacrifice to be used in, for God's glory. And the greatest way you can use your body for God's glory is to obey your parents, because it's the main thing He requires of you. It pleases God. I mean, it's an act of worship. We'll go on to the second point there. One of the blessings, if you obey your parents on a regular, consistent basis, it pleases your parents. There's nothing that delights the soul of a parent more, really, than an obedient, compliant, submissive, respectful child. That is awesome. There's nothing better. That's what the Scripture says, Proverbs 23, 24, and 25. The father of a righteous man has great joy, great fulfillment. The father of a righteous son has great joy. He who has a wise son delights in him. They are a joy to be around. You know, some parents, sadly, they think their children are a ball and chain. It's sad. They are at war with their children. Their children are enemies. They don't even want to be around their kids. That, that is sad. That is not God's intent. Children are a blessing from the Lord, says the psalm. That was God's intent. Your children are supposed to be an added, blessed addition to your home and to your life. They're supposed to be a joy. And many times that's not the case at all. He who has a wise, well, you know what that means? An obedient, compliant, respectful, submissive son delights in that child. May your father and mother rejoice if you have children like that. By the way, and then you can go to the book of Proverbs, 31 chapters, by the way, that was written for parents to train their children. And there's verse after verse after verse after verse that says that if you are a lousy child, a disobedient child, a rebellious child, you break the heart of your parents. Over and over again it says that. Next one, obeying your parents. So uh, obeying your parents is an act of worship before God. Obeying your parents pleases your parents. The next one is obeying your parents prepares you for life. Did you know that? Your parents are trying to teach you something, not just in the here and now. They're trying to train you for life. One of the main tools they utilize is are you willing to obey? This is going to train you for life. Because the principle that you're learning here from your parents about 
authority and submission will apply for the rest of your life in every area of life that you ever live till the day you die because that's the way God has structured living here on earth. Every relationship exists in the context of authority and submission. You can't escape it. Someday, well, I want to grow up and get out of the house. Well, you're still going to be confronted with this hierarchy of authority and submission. Because when you leave the house, maybe you go off to college to run away from your parents. Guess what? You've got authority and submission in the college you just went to. Because you've got to obey your teacher, the administration, the school, the curriculum, the tuition you have to pay. You have to submit to all of that. It's the same principle. Later on when you get married, you have to submit to your spouse. When you get a job, you have to submit to your boss. When you drive, you get your own car you've been looking for, then you've got to submit to the law and follow the speed limit and obey the policeman. And then when you make money, you've got to pay your taxes, then you've got to obey and submit to the IRS man and pay your bills. You can't get away from this authority or this principle of authority and submission. And it starts with your parents. That's the main lesson that your parents are trying to teach you. And God designed it that way from the time you come out of the womb from mommy. You're learning this principle of submitting to authority because it'll affect you the rest of your days. It even goes on in the church, aren't you? We're told in the church we're to submit to our spiritual leaders. And your spiritual leaders are supposed to submit to authorities as well and submit to one another. It's everywhere. So that's why I put there, obeying your parents prepares you for life. Paul put it this way and summarized it in Romans 13. He was talking about this principle of authority and submission, specifically in the context of the local government. And he said every person is to be in subjection to the governing authorities. And we have governing authorities all over our life. And as children, you don't just have your parents as your governing authorities you're supposed to submit to. If you are on a sports team, you have governing authorities, don't you? You need to obey your coach. You need to obey the assistant coach. You need to obey the referee. You need to obey the rules of the game, uh, the commissioner of the league. If you have a music teacher, you know, need to obey your music teacher. If you have a skating teacher, you need to obey your skating teacher. If you are uh, in elementary school, you've got to obey your elementary teacher. It is all over. It's everywhere. And to the degree that you have mastered this idea of submitting to your parents, the more successful you're going to be in every other domain of life where you're going to be confronted with this principle of authority and submission. It prepares you for life. And that's why... God intended it this way. He designed it this way just by way of reminder. When God gave the Ten Commandments, there was an amazing summary of basically all the moral law that God had for all of humanity to live successfully in life. The first four of the Ten Commandments have to do with our relationship with God. The last six of the Ten Commandments have to do with our relationship with other people, other human beings. And they're all listed in order of priority. The first of the six commandments that is given in the Ten Commandments of how we are to relate to other humans, is children obey and honor your parents. It's the first one. And there's specific reason for that. God designed it that way because who are the first people you have to deal with when you're born into this world is your parents. That's why later on it says, then oh, don't murder other people. And then it goes on to say, don't commit adultery. You're not going to be married as a child. That's later on in life. First, you have to master this principle of honoring and obeying and submitting to your parents. That's why it's the first of the six of the last Ten Commandments. The first of how to relate to other people correctly. And if you cannot, if a child cannot be taught to relate to their mom and dad properly with authority and submission, they aren't, they're going to be dysfunctional in the world. They aren't going to survive. They aren't going to be blessed. They aren't going to thrive. They're not going to please God. They're not going to make it. They're not going to live up to their potential. God designed it that way. Very important to keep that in mind. It prepares you for life. So start obeying your parents right now. Letter D. Obey 
Obeying your parents protects you. That's part of the blessing. That's why Paul said, did you know this commandment of given as one of the Ten Commandments is the first of the commandments with a promise, and it was a good promise? And the promise was, if you do this on a regular basis, as a pattern of life, obeying your parents, then you will live long in the land, or live long in the earth. And what Paul, or actually what Moses meant by that when he gave that as the Ten Commandments, that if you violate this commandment to obey and honor and respect your parents, you're going to get in trouble. You will get in trouble because it will make God angry, first of all. And secondly, if you're a disobedient, rebellious child, according to God and in the theocracy of Israel, you could lose your life, literally. You could be executed as a teenager, stoned to death. At age 16, your life is snuffed out. It is over. And that's why, literally, the Scripture says, obey your parents. And then it goes on to give the promise that if you obey your parents, it will be well with you and you will live long in the land. If you don't obey and you're characterized by disobedience, there is no promise you're going to live long. You may be executed. You may be stoned to death. According to Old Testament law, that's what it said. Literally, Exodus chapter 20 gives the Ten Commandments. The sixth one, which is which children obey your parents in the Lord. And one chapter later in Exodus 21, verses 15 and 17, it says any child who curses their parents or hits their parents is to be killed, executed, stoned to death. Your life would be snuffed out. You wouldn't fulfill the promise given here by God. You'll live a long, fruitful, healthy life in the land. Your life would be snuffed out. Now, Paul still applies that promise to us today in the church. We're not executing children as far as I'm aware. But the promise still holds true. And even he changes the wording a little bit. The promise still holds true. If you are a child that is characterized by ongoing, regular submission, obedience with a great attitude before God towards your parents you will live the fullness of your life. In other words, your life will not be short-circuited through disobedience and rebellion, which, could, which happens, by the way, in our culture all the time. You see it in gangs, teenage gangs. You see it with children using drugs and alcohol and hanging around with the wrong crowd, and they are putting themselves in susceptible positions to be hurt and literally to be killed. It goes on all the time, which is consistent with what Scripture says. You'll be obedient to your parents with the right attitude on a regular basis. You know what you're doing? You're putting an umbrella of protection over your literal, physical life. And God promises to give you the fullness of your days, whatever they are, here on earth. So obeying your parents, that it protects you. Um, in light of that, Galatians 6, 7, and 8, listen to this. Do not be deceived, children. This applies to you too. God is not mocked. For whatever a person or a child even sows in terms of their behavior, this you will also reap. Whatever you plant, you're going to grow it. For the one who sows to his own flesh sinful things will from the flesh reap up corruption or destruction. But the one who sows to the Holy Spirit with obedience will from the Holy Spirit reap eternal life and blessing. That's what it's talking about. Let's go on to the last one. So after obeying your parents protects you, the last one is obeying your parents is a good testimony. Obeying your parents is a good testimony. People are watching. The world is watching. People in the church are watching. People in your neighborhood are watching. Especially if your family professes to be Christian, if your parents profess to be Christian, if you as a child profess to be a Christian, this is very important for you. Your testimony is on the line. Jesus said, Matthew 5:16, let your light shine, or literally he's talking about your behavior and your attitude. Let your light shine before men in order that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Child, if you claim to be a Christian, you're representing Jesus Christ. And if you're disobedient and rebellious and you call yourself a Christian, what are you? You're a hypocrite. And you skew the picture of Christ that the world needs to see. 
And then 1 Timothy 3, 4 and 5. Look at this one. An overseer or ruler or leader in the church, an elder or pastor, one of the prerequisites is he must manage his own family well, specifically, and see that his children obey him. Another passage says, have children who are under control, or literally, children who are obedient. If you've got a guy who says he wants to be an elder, leader, pastor, Bible teacher in the church, and he's got children and they're out of control, he has no control over them, they're totally disobedient, he's not qualified until he reigns his children in. As Paul goes on, his children need to obey him with proper respect. If anyone does not know how to manage his own family, he can't keep his own kids under the control. You can't even control your three kids or your four kids or your two kids. How in the world are you going to control and manage the church? You can't do it. So that's why it's a prerequisite. So that's why, that's how we are to judge our elders in the church too. There's accountability there, isn't there? So there's an onus on me. I have four kids. Man, maybe I should only have one. Well, anyway, so I've got four kids. And God requires an overseer of the church, a pastor, to manage his children well with reverence and respect on a regular and ongoing basis. And that would be a sign that this man is called and this man is qualified. And that puts onus of responsibility on your children too. They need to know that. You represent mommy and daddy. You represent Jesus Christ. You represent the church. They need to know that. But there's a strong sense of accountability that goes with that. And the last thing I want to tell you children in this practice lesson is that really there's only one way that you can ultimately obey your parents with the right actions and the right attitudes in a way that pleases God and that it needs to come from the heart with the help of the Holy Spirit through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the only... Because we are all born sinful. Jesus Christ is the only one who can help us obey mommy and daddy and have proper respect. Because when you become a Christian, you acknowledge that you're a sinner and you can't do it on your own. And God forgives you of your sin. But then God also helps you. So you can obey and He gives you the gift of the Holy Spirit who literally lives inside of you and empowers you and gives you the ability to obey your parents. That's an awesome thing. And you can do it. So that's just something to consider for anybody here that's a child under the authority of your parents. Do you know Jesus Christ personally? Have you asked Him to forgive you of your sin? Have you given your life totally over to Him? Have you asked the Holy Spirit to help you live an obedient life that pleases your parents and God Himself? If you haven't done that, I'd encourage you to do that even today. And with that, we're going to go into uh, celebrating the Lord's table as we have the privilege uh, once a month. And I'm going to go ahead and pray for us here while I ask the men to come forward as we get ready for celebrating the Lord's table. So if you could bow your head and pray with me. Father, thank you for time in your word. Thank you for the privilege to go through Ephesians and see what your outline for the family is. God, it's convicting for me because I'm getting nailed on every one of these. Being married to a wife, being a husband myself, having children of my own. God, we're, we're accountable to you. And I do thank you that there is help with the knowledge of your word, accountability of the saints, and the power of the indwelling Holy Spirit. God, we thank you so much for that. God, I pray, I just commit the children of GBF to you. They would be children characterized by honoring you with actions and attitudes and continue to help us as parents, to parent them in a godly way that pleases you, that makes it easier really for them to obey. So we just entrust that to you. We thank you for it in Christ's name. Amen.